Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. With Tesco, where you won't pay more for the products that matter most to you. Tesco, every little helps. If you are thinking of divorce, and so unfortunately there are listeners out there who would be thinking along those lines from time to time, new regulations this week will definitely interest you. Uh, 82% of voters passed proposals in a referendum in May to reduce the amount of time couples need to be living apart to get a divorce. And as you've heard, Family Law Solicitor Patricia O'Connor is with me in the studio to explain a bit more um, about it. Um, and, and I suppose... You know, divorce is always traumatic. It's traumatic between the couple. Um, And clearly, it's even more complicated when there are children, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, But I suppose the... I I know the reason that Charlie Flanagan was was looking at it and looking was was so anxious to reduce the time and Josefa Madigan was certainly to take try to take some of the trauma away, particularly from children, and to reduce the cost, emotional and financial, for people. So... We'll wait and see what happens with, with that. Well, because I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. You know, the uh, the divorce referendum in 1995 was passed by a margin of less than 1% at the time. And then you see the vote, which you know, I accept wasn't as controversial this year, you know, they probably didn't attract the same level of debate. But 82% voted in favour of the changes on, on the waiting time. I mean, does that suggest a, a big change in people's thinking yeah, I think so. I, I mean, when divorce was introduced, there were all the, the the prophets of doom who were, you know, there'd be a rush to the courts and not a marriage would be left standing in the country and society as we knew it was destroyed. And that didn't happen. You know, it happened very gradually. And a lot of people who went for divorces initially were people that had been separated for maybe 20, 30 years. And you really couldn't grudge them or begrudge them a chance to get on with their lives. And I, I think it's... I mean, society has moved on. Um, I think um, it's a fact of life. And as it stood when we had the four-year waiting period, the only alternative that people that hadn't been separated for four years had was to go to court for a judicial separation if they needed to get their affairs in order, which was huge and costly. And then four years later, you go back for your divorce. So you're doubling up the expense, you're doubling up the trauma to people. So it really didn't make sense to have the two running in tandem, I suppose, from that point of view. Okay. And the new regulations which have come in this week, what's the length of time now? The length of time has been reduced. You have to be separated or living apart for two of the previous three years in order to qualify for a divorce. Everything else remains the same. The, The court, the judge has the discretion to grant a divorce provided he's satisfied of three things. Now that you've been separated for two of the previous three years, it used to be four of the previous five years, uh, that there's no prospect of reconciliation and that proper provision has been made for the spouses and the children. And once those three items are are, are in order, the judge will grant the divorce. So... um, the other thing, I'm sorry, what, what does it mean, Patricia? We're talking to a family law solicitor, Patricia O'Connor, about this. Um, in terms of living apart or separation for two or three years, how's that defined? Well, that's the good thing about the new Act because it's actually a statutory definition of it now. Prior to this, it was very much up to each judge. Uh, the courts tended to take the view that where people couldn't afford to move out and they were li- still living under the one roof, um, a court had to be satisfied. I mean, there's a, there's a very fine line between people colluding to get a divorce and people who are living under the same roof, 
you know, in, in your average size house, you're not going to be able to live completely separate lives. So there were, you know, there, there were suggestions that if people were sharing meals or if they were doing washing together or ironing or whatever, that you're really not separated, living, living apart. Um, but I mean, you know, once you're dealing with adults... I mean, can't you just take their word for it? Is, well, that, is that a mad idea? No, it's not. No, no, it's not a mad idea at all. But thankfully, we do have a statutory definition of it now. And um, But pr- prior to this, it used to be literally every judge's discretion as to, to, to accept whether, as you say, take somebody's word for it or not. Because if you think about it, a judge sees these people, they're in front of him, he doesn't know... He doesn't know them from Adam. So as far as the judge is concerned, they could be lying through their teeth or they could be telling the truth. Um, but, but, but now having I, said I that... I, I'm just, I, you know, this is a genuine question. Mm. If, if a couple come into, a, a, you know, a court and they both give a similar version of events to a judge, first of all, how do you know that they're lying about it? Really? And secondly, if it's between two consenting adults, what's the problem? Yeah, um, no, there's no suggestion that um, where two people, as you say, where two people have come into court and they have a similar uh, evidence and so on for the court, then, uh, you know, the majority of judges will say, yes, I I accept you've been living apart. Even though it could be rubbish. I mean, that's the truth, though. It could be rubbish. It could be rubbish. It could be rubbish. But... um, I suppose the second part of your question, where is the harm in it, um, came stemmed from this whole discretion that the judge... Like, it's the statutory requirement, or the, the, there's a statutory duty on the judge to be satisfied of those three things before he so grant the, the children divorce. I absolutely get, you know, I, mm. I, I totally understand that. But I, I suppose it's just in, in a world where, you know, two people have decided mutually, as opposed to one wanting and the other not now, and they've made a, a mutual decision. So they come in with, as I say, aversion. Mm. You know, Johnny says one thing, Mary says something similar. Sure, I presume no judge is going to be overly bothered about that, or are they? No, they're not. I mean, as you say, how do you how do you disprove yeah. that? Yeah. You know, because an awful lot of, of family law is very much he said, she said, you know, and if he said and she said is the same thing, then really, you know, none of us are going to be in a position to say, oh, but... Yeah. You know, so um, you, you, you very rarely have independent advice and, or uh, independent um, um, evidence against it. And, and, and listener wondering, the another obvious question here, because I mean, it comes down to this in the end, doesn't it? The moolah, you know, what does it cost to get divorced? Because this listener says they've heard lots of figures thrown out that it can vary hugely in cost. Um, well, I'll tell you what, can I just park the cost for a minute and okay. just go back yeah, to the, I, what I just want to tell you about is the, the, the new statutory de- okay. definition of living apart. So that kind of takes away the judge's discretion. So all, you know, all the courts will, will be operating with this now. So what the Act says is that uh, where parties, where spouses have continued to live under the same roof, uh, where the court is satisfied that they haven't been involved in a committed and an intimate and committed relationship for the required period, then the court can deem that they satisfy the waiting period. Um, it does go on to say that simply because the relationship ceases to be sexual doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a committed and intimate relationship. So there is that bit of a, a bit of an out there. So simply, like if 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 a part if if a couple are living together as a married couple, 
for years in all intent, you know, for, for all intents, but just don't have that sexual relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean they can turn around and claim, oh, we've been living separate and apart for the last two years. We now want a divorce. Right. So, um, again, you're back to the whole question of, well, who's going to disagree with that? Who's going to disprove that? Nobody really is going to be able to disprove that. Where it's where it's relevant is, suppose the, the husband, say, for argument's sake, gets up one morning and tells the wife he's met someone else and he's leaving and he's applying for a divorce. And he issues divorce proceedings and claims they've been living separate and apart from each other for that period of time. It's up to her to file her defence and say, well, actually, I know we haven't had a sexual relationship, but we lived together as a married couple. Ah, Christmas cards went out from Johnny and Mary. You know, I did everything. I went to the works party. He came here. We did that. So it's really from that point of view. So it's when it's contested almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so so definitions definitely help. Um, And and then the cost of a divorce? The cost, well... It's not really one size fits all. I mean, to be honest, I don't want to sound like I'm fobbing your your listener off. There is a huge amount of work involved in a fully contested case. You're going to be looking at considerable money in that. Um, For a contested case, I mean, the the reality is um, you don't actually need a solicitor or barrister. If you have a very straightforward divorce, you can go to the court and you can apply yourself. And a lot of people do that as lay litigants or they take these DIY divorces. Now, very much... And I, there's an element of she would say that, wouldn't she? But there's very much a word of warning about those. They only work where there are no complications. Where, you know, the, the most straightforward one is I'm, where I'm you I'm not have, sure there's any such thing as a divorce without complications. Well, I suppose if you have a couple and no children and no property and no pensions, that's probably your best case scenario for something like that. But hang on a minute, no, there are complications within marriages, if you mm. see what I mean. Yeah. That's, that are stable and happy. So the idea that you could get out of any marriage without there being complications that may require a solicitor, I know you can't say this, but I think I can, that, you know, it probably makes sense if you can afford it at all to have legal representation on both sides, doesn't it? Well, yes, it does. Oh, it absolutely does. It makes life that much easier for everybody because there's, to a certain extent, there's a buffer between you and your spouse. And it's not, like, I've, I've dealt with lay litigants and obviously... Where are you dealing with lay litigants? When you're acting as a solicitor and you, you're dealing with somebody that doesn't have a solicitor, you you do. There's a duty on you to be sure that they understand what's happening, and that and and that makes it slight. That makes it considerably more work. It makes it considerably more important that they know everything that's going on. But um, it also makes it difficult from the point of view of trying to settle cases because they tend to take everything personally. Whereas if they have a solicitor, a solicitor will come back and say, "Well, look, they're saying this." Now, what we do is, or they don't mean that. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're adding the emotions into it. And yeah, of that's course. not which is, helpful which is part either. Of it, absolutely. So what you're in essence saying is it's almost a sliding scale that, you know, if it's a more straightforward scenario, it may not cost as much. But if it gets complicated, it could be an expensive process. Yes, it could. Very right. expensive, yeah. Um, the concept of no-fault divorce, does, does that actually mean anything? It does, it does. Excuse me. Um, yes, the no-fault divorce is important because the courts tend to look at it on the basis of, well, look, we're not apportioning blame to anybody here. What we're looking at is we've got this situation, we've got children, we've got assets, we've got these two people that need to get on with their lives. So um, how do we deal with that? This is the family pot. How do we deal with that in such a way to ensure that everyone is properly provided for? Um the Irish courts are are very slow to to assign blame to anyone for the breakup of a marriage. Um, and is that different to the UK? 
It is different to the UK, yeah. You 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 don't have the same no-fault aspect in the UK. But there's a completely different system in the UK anyway. Um, you can, you, you know, you, you have to go to court to get a divorce here. Um, where, now, somebody's behaviour during the marriage has to be very, very bad in order for a court to take that on board. So it's not necessarily going to be something like, well, you had an affair, so I'm going to take half your assets and give them to your wife so your wife or your husband is going to get 75% and you're going to get 25%. That's, that wouldn't happen. And the reason that wouldn't happen is, is because we have the Constitution here. The Constitution protects property rights. So you can't necessarily just on a whim say, I'm taking your assets and giving them to somebody else. Um, where bad behaviour is, is, is taken on board tends to be where there has been violence or somebody has been mistreated. Um, I've had a couple of cases where spouses would have been very, very badly treated over the, the, the duration of the marriage. And certainly they would have got the lion's share of the assets and compensation for that. Um, but like it goes to the, it, it goes down to the wire. I mean, we ended up getting 30 years of medical records from a particular case, um, 30 years of, of doctor's records, hospital records, so much violence in this marriage. That's, that's the level of, of detail you have to give the courts in order to show that, look, this person has behaved so appallingly that it's only right that they should be punished. By the way, the waiting period, as you know, reduced, as you explained, from the referendum and uh, kicked in this week. Um, that concept of the waiting time, you know, is, is that unusual in other countries? Um, it's certainly one of the longer, yeah. I mean... E- even the reduced one here? Even the reduced one, it's... Well, it's, I think it's on a par... I'm not 100% sure with, with Europe... But I think the majority of, of the European countries now again they have they have a civil law system we have a common law system, but the majority of the European countries are probably in the region of twelve months. Now I'm very much open to correction there, right? Um, but certainly, um, no. I well, I suppose from a personal point of view, do I think two years is is? I know people are are some people are pushing for it to go to a year. I I don't know. I mean, having seen people that come in, a lot of people will come in to me. For an initial consultation when their marriage is broken up or they've separated and they'll come in and they'll get the initial advices and then they'll go away and they'll think about it and you might not see them again for another nine or twelve months because they have to get their heads around yes it. yes like the worst thing you can do is bounce somebody into court immediately because they're still so raw and they're still their heads in a spin from the whole breakup and they can't think clearly so what you're saying is that it is possible that two years after the fact it may be an easier process on all concerned, particularly the couple, if there has been a bit of distance and thinking time and all of that. It I, can be. It, it can always, be. It can yeah, be. I mean, yeah. the dust has some bit of a chance to Yeah, no, I, I can understand that, yeah. You know. But I mean, the, the other thing about it is that um, it's, still, it, it's still not dealing with the waiting lists in the court. You're still going to be waiting for maybe nine to 12 months by the time the case comes on for hearing, by the time you go through the whole process. Listeners asking, is it true that if you get a divorce, it's harder to revisit maintenance payments after it? No, not necessarily maintenance payments. It would be it's it's very difficult to revisit anything else. Courts don't like those particular cases. They call those second bite of the cherry cases. But where maintenance, um, where, where you can you can reapply for maintenance to be to be varied upwards or downwards at any stage after the divorce depends on your circumstances. It's the same as if you you get a maintenance order in the district court. Um, if your circumstances change, if you lose your job or if you get a great job, the other person can come back and look for for, uh, increased maintenance at that stage. 
Patricia, the age range of people that you come across who are seeking a divorce? Um, it's it's every age. It really is every age. Um, I mean, would you even get couples in, let's say, their 20s who got married, even younger, coming and saying, this isn't for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I've i had a few... It's, it's actually, funnily enough, something that's that's happened quite recently um, in that I've had a, a couple of, of young couples who haven't had children. I don't know if it's the financial crisis or, or what is it, um, or maybe it's just the, the sheer trouble of trying to, to buy a home or whatever that's putting pressure on people. But yeah, it, it yeah definitely, there are younger couples who are looking for divorces as well. I've ever come across people who, you know, would have been partners for a long time and got married and that changed the nature of the relationship or that sort yeah. of yeah yeah um yeah definitely there there I can think of a couple off the top of my head uh, a, a few not a couple um yeah I don't know what it is uh, about that I mean I I know people that were together for years and years and got married and and separated quite quickly thereafter and the bulk of divorces in Limerick that you would be aware of, are they couples in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, that type of age range? Um, no, I think there's, there's a good mix. There's, it's, it's every age. It really is every age. Right. Yeah, and I think to a certain extent, um, it's, it's probably, I was going to say it's good to see older people going for divorce as well, but to a certain extent... Where you had marriages years ago that broke up, people lived under the one roof, and it just, it was no life. I mean, that's the one that, you know. Yeah. It is very, very, the, 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 what's it, the Irish divorce or the Irish marriage or whatever they used to call it. Yeah, Yeah, it was the Irish divorce, I think. It was the Irish divorce. Yeah. But they never spoke to each other. Yeah. They communicated through the kids and, and probably still happens, you know, you just never know. Okay, fascinating. So these new regulations are in play uh, now. Um, so anything yep. that comes uh, up from this point forward, um, that that change um, is in place. Well, well the, the other thing about it, sorry, just to, oh, yeah. to, um, and I, I I presume anyone who has it, and my understanding is that anyone who has application in for a judicial separation at the moment can also, that, that wouldn't have had the, the four-year period, but now has the two-year separation period, can also apply to convert their proceedings to, to divorce. Oh, I see. So it would be good for them as well. Okay. If they wanted to, they can proceed with judicial separation, but they can convert across and, and instead proceed with divorce. Okay. Family Law Solicitor Patricia O'Connor, thank you very much for talking to us. Very interesting this morning. Appreciate thank your you. time. Call Limerick Today now on 461995.